0: Greetings and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. I'm joined today by Brienne Showman. No longer Showman Brown, <laughs> just Breanne Showman. So she's coming out uh, with a new name today. She's got a new book out. She's a doctor of PT here in town and just an all around awesome person. I am stoked to have her on. She's uh, She's been a great friend and partner through a lot of the development that we're doing with Hardwater. And so with that said, let's welcome her on. So how you been, man?
1: Awesome, it's been a great weekend. Already crushing Monday, so uh, we're going with it.
0: Yeah, were you up at three today? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) So you you got to tell me a little bit. How did you get into this habit of getting up at three a.m.? Like, I mean, you know, four is early. (laughs) You know, five is like pretty early. Three o'clock, man. That's like you know shift work type stuff.
1: Yes. Well, it didn't start there. Uh, I've always been one to work out in the morning, anyway. So for many years, I was getting up maybe like four forty-five, going for a run at five, and then that turned into me learning, or just kind of starting to kind of get into the personal development a little bit. And it's like, okay, we're just going to do a gratitude journal. So I would get up, you know, five, 10 minutes earlier so I could do that. And then that turned into, well, I want to do a little bit, I want to start reading. And so I got like 15 minutes earlier. And so, and then I wanted to read a little bit more. And then, so I think at that point, was probably like at 3.30 maybe. And then I kind of started figuring out, okay, I need to shut down earlier in the evenings, or I want to shut down earlier in the evening. So how can I go about this? Well, let's just shut down from social media. Let's shut down from responding to messages. So it kind of just transitioned to, I'm a morning person anyway, so let's just get up a little bit earlier, and then I'll just add that a little bit more to my morning routine, uh, that once I do my personal development, I'll, then I'll get on my face on Facebook, on my messages, and just kind of start responding to people from the, from the day before.
0: Gotcha. So was this something that you, um, you actively sought to seek this time or you, you, or you really just wanted to pad your day more so that you could get more done before you left the house?
1: It was more of kind of neither. It was more of I know when I'm best, which is morning time. I know I can be highly productive when the majority of the world is sleeping or the majority of the United States is sleeping still. (laughs) (laughs) And plus it it kind of, as I got myself out there more on Facebook and in social media world, I do have a lot of international people that do follow me. So there are people I'm talking with in um, overseas that are, are awake and that we have some conversations in the morning on, you know, via Facebook messenger or Facebook in general. And so it's kind of was, it started out as far as just productivity for me. And then it kind of turned into, um, more as far as engaging with people during that time too.
0: Mm-hmm. So when you say that you're a morning person, does this mean you like roll out of bed at three o'clock and you're just like wide awake, ready to go at it? For the most part. <laughs> really? See, I, I cannot relate to you people man. <laughs> I cannot relate at all.
1: Since half the time you're going to bed when I'm waking up. Yeah, yeah, that's true.
0: I, I do have a habit of uh, obsessing over something and staying up all night. That's, that's for sure. So when you, when you started, um, you know, sliding this time earlier and early and earlier, and you talked about the, the necessity to sort of shut down your day sooner. What did that look like for you? Cause obviously this, it sounds like this morning routine also requires an evening routine.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, That was a trial and error a little bit, or more of a trial in the first part, I shouldn't say error, more of a trial in the first part of, it was kind of a challenge given to me by my coach just to figure out, or just kind of get me into a system to see if I could be okay with it. And it was, let's just shut down earlier and see what happens. And, you know, as far as do I lose clients, do I lose leads because I'm not responding to people late at night type thing. And Or, you know, just so I feel like I'm missing something. And as I started doing this, I was like, all right, I'm not losing clients. Nothing's going wrong in the world just because I'm shutting down earlier. And so it kind of became this um, basically setting rules for myself of, you know, 7 p.m. And with that said, like, rules are broken at times. So if I have clients until 7.30, okay, I may still get on because I need to respond to somebody that I know, like, put something there hours ago and I just, um, you know, need to get back to that person because of what the content is, whatever. So, or like if I'm mid conversation at 8 PM and it's an important conversation, I'm not just going to like cut it off (laughs) type thing. That's good to know. (laughs) Talk tomorrow. But, um, (laughs) but it was just kind of a trial that I did. I realized it was very helpful for me to shut down from social media at seven, shut down from returning messages at eight Um, It was a great way for me to shut down. It was a great way for me to think and get my next day ready. So for me to meal prep, for me to get my schedule created for the next day. And um, I just realized it was really, it was better for me personally, for my health. And then it wasn't, it wasn't doing any damage to my business. It wasn't doing any, you know putting me behind in any way, shape, or form, and it was actually making me more productive, productive, I was realizing going forward.
0: I see, I see. So for you, it sounds like no real loss on, on any level, and I think when I look at my life, honestly, and I think if most people took a hard look at theirs, like there's really nothing happening, you know, that part of the night that can't wait until the morning, you know, but there's this sort of fear of missing out on everything and constantly being plugged into your phone and all this kind of thing. Did you experience any withdrawals from that?
1: I had to, in the beginning, I don't do it as much anymore, but in the beginning, like I would just put my phone in airplane mode. So I wouldn't see the messages come through and want to respond. I wouldn't be tempted to get on my phone and do something. Um, I would just kind of leave my computer shut off. And now I'm to the point that with that said, I sometimes forget what time it is, (laughs) but, uh, for the most part, like I'm pretty good at like, I'll see a message come through and I can just ignore it. Mm -hmm. Um, As long as I, there are times you do respond, but also I'm like, oh shoot, it's 8.10. I didn't realize (laughs) what time it was. (laughs) Right, right. Um, But I'm pretty good now at just because it's such a routine for me and it's a rule I've set for myself that I'm actually pretty good at just being able to. Uh, not pay attention to it.
0: Mm -hmm. So for those of us who've known you for a little while, um, you know, I think one of the things that uh, really stands out is your level of discipline is off the frickin' charts, man. Like (laughs) when you set your mind to something like you totally inspire me to, you know, stay the course um, because I see you staying the course, you know, and when we work together, it challenges me to be more. And I appreciate that about you. And so to hear you talk about the, this idea of, you know, how you started with airplane mode and now you're more like full on, talk to me a little bit about that dichotomy because on one side you're like 100% black and white, we crossed the line, here it is. You know, but over here it's like, well, if I'm on a portman call and it goes past eight o'clock, you know, I'm not gonna just hang up <laughs> the phone, right? Was that hard for you to sort of reconcile that dichotomy?
1: Uh, A little bit. I, I had to be pretty firm with it in the, in the beginning just to get it kind of into my routine and into my habit and into my rules. And then once I, once I did establish that and knew I could be there and I can be there at any time, any moment that I want to, I was able to still break away from that as needed. Mm. So Cause there are a couple, there are some days during the week that I do have clients until 7:30 at night. So by the time I'm getting home, it is later, but I do know there's still things I need to do. Um, and it can even be as simple as I need to, uh, send some information over to my intern, um, that he like absolutely needs that night in order to do, do what he needs to do or to my admin person that, you know, in order to actually do their job, you know, I need to message them. So there's certain, certain circumstances that because of. Just situational things that I will do that because um, I need to do something for someone else to do do a job, but it's not something that I'm going to break that every single night. It's something that is going to be um, something really necessary and really abnormal for me to mm-hmm. to do that.
0: Yeah, there's a certain there's a certain part of me that really loves this black and white nature that you carry because I think at my core that's who I am. You know, and I feel like. Uh, you know, if someone says they're going to do something, they should do it. Mm-hmm. If someone says they're going to be somewhere, they should be somewhere, right? And I apply that to myself. And in reading um, Jacko's most recent book, you know, The Dichotomy of Leadership, where he goes through some different scenarios of how if you're too far one way or the other, you're going to fuck yourself, basically, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, it's really interesting to, to hear you sort of talk about how you balance that out, because you are like the most real life example I've ever seen of someone who lives by that black and white. I mean, in, in my own personal life, I can tell you for sure that I haven't been able to, um, see a scenario where black and white always works mm-hmm. and there's a part of me that wants it to do so. So sometimes I feel like mm-hmm. I'm torn, you know, uh, or I feel like I failed. Mm-hmm. Did you ever struggle with that?
1: At times. Um, especially as I'm creating the new habits and, um, and I guess it was more of as I really started working on myself that I really think about this. Um, and part of it is because I hold other people accountable for things that they say they're going to do. And so a lot of these challenges were put on me by, or were, I shouldn't say put on me, were given to me by my coach. I accepted them. And so if I did, if something happened that and that caused me to break what I said I was going to do, it was more of like a failure in that aspect of, I, because I knew... What I said I was going to do I knew what I agreed to um, in whatever challenge it may be so that's kind of where I where I kind of got hung up is it wasn't just my thing necessarily it mm-hmm. was this other challenge that I agreed to in the process so
0: like you're saying so like you chose in mm-hmm. so you're taking on the responsibility and so you were you're almost concerned or more worried about how it would impact the other people that you made the commitment to
1: yeah and and, and, it, and I know I know in it wouldn't cause it was just kind of a challenge I accepted. It was one he gave me and just kind of a, in order to like, let's see how it works. Let's see how, how this goes. But in my head, just because I know how I am, it's this other person's counting on me to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm going to do that. And so, and so it's more of a accountability aspect that I feel like I fail versus a like failing myself.
0: I see. So have you always been this type of person? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Never like even as a kid you're like you were like this you're very black and white sort of give it to me straight kind of a thing.
1: Yeah, for the most yeah. Like I've always been this disciplined person like I've always had high standards for myself and I And it's kind of a downfall. I I expect other people to have those same standards. And so then I forget at times that when I'm working with other people that don't have the same standards that I do, that they may not get stuff done or they (laughs) may not do certain things. And so it's kind of a detriment to myself at times when I am working on projects with people. And it's something I've had to figure out this happy medium as I've worked with um, colleagues on collaboration projects and partners on, on projects. It's something I've really had to figure out, like, how to hold someone accountable, but not you know, bring them down in the process of me holding them accountable.
0: Oh, that's super key, that's super key. I, <laughs> I think uh, that's definitely one of the hardest things for me to balance when I'm in that black and white mode. You know, it's like you wanna hold someone accountable, but at the same time, you don't wanna tear them apart, mm-hmm. right? And at what point is your feedback going to do that? It's hard to know. Is there a way that, is there something that you use in that scenario to help balance that out?
1: What I've started doing is asking questions in the first place. Cause just because they didn't get something done doesn't mean they were necessarily neglecting it Mm -hmm. is what I'm kind of, is what I've started kind of processing in myself is like, so then I'll I'll first ask like how, you know, just kind of throw it out there. Like, how's your week going? How's work going? You know, and just kind of see, and, um, depending on the answers, like, well, is there a reason that this hasn't gotten been done or where are you at in the process and just kind of get the questions first before I, you know, pull out and be like, um, you said you're going to do this.
0: Mm -hmm. So when you were uh, growing up, uh, did you experience this type of black and white nature in your household or is this something that you feel like you developed on your own?
1: I think it's just something I developed on my own. Like I, I really don't even, I can't even think of where this even came from. Like I just remember I would always come home from school or practice and, I would just get to my homework and I would start doing my thing and I would I was just very organized. I was very on top of things. I was very routine. Um, it's just something I've always been.
0: Really? That's that's amazing to me. It's weird. That's amazing <laughs> to me. And the reason I say that is because it seems like when someone has a dominant personality trait, there's always something in their childhood or their past that helped create it. Um, I can use myself as an example. You know, I grew up in a chaotic household, so I had this need to be right. But it wasn't like I wanted to be right so that you could be wrong. It was I needed to be right so that I could create some certainty. And and as a child, you know, a child without certainty is, is not a happy child. So, you know, creating this sense of I know that already gave me some peace. But that but nothing like that happened for you as you were growing up. So you just you were just always this way?
1: Yeah, as long as I can remember, I just have been. And I don't know um my parents separated fairly early I was in third or fourth grade and so and my brother lived with my dad I lived with my mom and so to a point I was somewhat an only child and I kind of she was at work I would come home from school and so Mm. I don't know if there's some aspect of that that I just I wouldn't say grew up faster but just had to just gain that responsibility early but it was just kind of what like I just came home from school and I did my thing and I knew what I had to do for the process
0: yeah there it sounds like there's something in there I mean because you know as a child when you're kind of left to your own devices right like you <laughs> you probably had some sort of sense of hey I need to get some things done at, at some point going mm-hmm. along the line but um, you didn't grow up out here in Phoenix did you did you, Nebraska. you up in, the, in the Midwest
1: in the Midwest
0: yeah what was that like
1: um boring no um, <laughs> no it was it was good it looking back it was good to grow up in mm-hmm. I when I went to undergrad I was definitely ready to get out of where I was at. It was, it was a town of 8,000. So it was safe to grow up in it. Like we'd ride our bikes everywhere without any worry of anything happening. Um, I'd go for runs in the country for miles and miles and miles and not have to worry about anything. Uh, so it was good growing up. I definitely was ready to escape, um, to something, something different, something a little bit bigger. And so I went a little bit bigger and colder to Minnesota, uh, <laughs> before I got smart and came South to the warm weather, <laughs> but uh it was good it was good for me growing up in a smaller community just for the no like being having the freedom to be able to go and explore and not have any concern of something happening
0: for sure for sure that was, I was a similar story I grew up in a small town you know in rural Georgia and I can relate and I think if I had kids I would want to raise them in an area like that because we man we got away with murder <laughs> we did whatever we wanted to do you know bikes everywhere four-wheelers everywhere it was fantastic um, so but you escaped all that I escaped you <laughs> escaped that <laughs> idyllic Nebraskan <laughs> childhood <laughs> and went off to the the wilds of Minnesota where did you study
1: I was in Mankato, so which is an hour and a half southwest of Minneapolis.
0: Okay, fantastic. And um, how did you ultimately end up coming down to Arizona from uh, from the colds of Minnesota? <laughs>
1: uh, I was applying for PT school in the middle of winter, and I was sick of the cold. <laughs> so I applied to Florida. I was school in Florida, and I applied to a school here. I was accepted to both. So at that point, I decided I was sick of humidity as well, since I had options. <laughs> <laughs> So I came to Phoenix. <laughs>
0: wow! Did you know anyone when you came here, or was it just sort of an adventure?
1: It was just an adventure. Same thing when I went to undergrad too. It was just I went based on more location than anything.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you went to uh, ASU. At still. At still, fantastic, and came out with your uh, PT degree. When did you start your practice?
1: Uh, so I graduated in 2006. Okay. And then I. I don't like to say job hopped, but I kind of job hopped. I worked at one place for about six months, worked at another place for about a year, and then finally settled into another, another company for almost nine years. Mm. Um, and then I went on, on my own.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned this uh, journey in your book, right? Uh, and uh, for those of you guys paying attention, the book is out now on Amazon and uh, you definitely want to pick it up on your day, on your life by Brianne Showman. Um, so talk us a little bit, of, talk us through that journey. So um, you came out of school. You, I'm assuming you've never owned a business before. Correct. Okay. And so you were working for people. You decided that wasn't the route. What was it that caused you to sort of open your eyes and say, you know what? I want to go this other direction. I want to do this entrepreneur type thing.
1: Yeah, so owning a business was never in thought in my head, which is kind of crazy because looking back, my both my parents have been self-employed. Oh, really? So why it was never a thought in my mind, I don't know, other than just for me, like that was like seeing them do that was normal, but for whatever reason, I never even considered it. But uh, ultimately for me, I just got sick of being told what to do by insurance companies. Um, I, I loved, absolutely loved the company I was working for. They treated us very well. I was a director and for at the clinic I was at for many years. Um, and I still love, like, I will refer people to that company if they want to go through insurance. Um, but for me, I just got so sick of being told what to do by the insurance companies and being limited by what I could do that I had to, I wanted to break out on my own.
0: Yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot of confusion on how the, the, the medical industry overall works, but specifically in PT, what does the insurance company sort of mandate that you do? What, what process does that look like?
1: You know, it depends on the insurance company itself, but a lot of times there's visit restrictions on it. Um, you
0: mean in terms of time or, uh,
1: yeah. So it's like, I'm, we may get someone with an ACL injury surgery and they only get 12 visits. Like you can't rehab an ACL to back to sport in 12 visits. Um, or, it may be their second injury that year and they don't have any more visits because they used them on the first injury. Uh, So from a time aspect, we are very limited there, but then there's other things that certain procedures, certain techniques that we do would be perfect for them, but insurance doesn't cover it. And Mm. so we either can't do it or the person had to pay out of pocket for it anyway. And so there's just so many restrictions on what's allowed to do that. It's, it just gets frustrating from a therapist standpoint in order to, it's like you have to either be unethical in order to justify it somehow or not do what you want to do.
0: Yeah, so so it sounds like you're saying that you had people come through and you wanted to help them and they wanted to go through insurance. But because insurance had said, hey, this particular procedure we don't cover, the people would just say, you know what, I'm not going to do this or either. You know, it was a huge inconvenience because they had to come out of pocket.
1: Yeah, it was either it would have to be paid out of pocket or we just wouldn't do what we thought would be best for them because it wasn't going to be covered.
0: And that's where the ethics piece comes in for you. Mm -hmm. So was that was that sort of the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of like getting out of there? You felt like you weren't, you know, making the impact that you wanted to have?
1: That was what led up to it. The final straw was I had an insurance company contact me and they wanted me to they're basically denying codes for like three months worth of visits and they're saying we don't cover this code for this diagnosis and we want you to change it to this which would have been me changing like three months worth of documentation in order to have our billers rebill. and I was like this is totally justifiable the documentation supports it like there's no way I'm changing three months worth of documentation and so that was kind of my final straw of like just the stupidity of insurance companies (laughs) and the things that the reviewers, like it's their job to deny. And I get that, but it's just frustrating as a clinician that we have to deal with that.
0: For sure. So, I mean, now that you've been on both sides of the fence, like what role do you think insurance should play or should it play a role?
1: I think healthcare in general needs to get more to, I like using the word like it's healthcare. Like you should actually take care of your health not play this Defensive role constantly of not doing anything until someone gets injured or until someone gets sick. We really need to get to a preventative standpoint. Um, you know, we do it for dental. We go, to, you know, every 12 or six months to the dentist. You do, some people go for their eyes, But for like a medical standpoint, we don't do that. We go and we're sick. We go and then it's just a band aid of medications rather than let's figure out what you can change in your life in order to actually take care of this in a healthier manner. So there's just this, I don't know. I just feel healthcare in our country is needs a lot of work to do in order to actually like get to the making people healthier side of things versus just playing this defensive role.
0: Yeah. Every time this conversation comes up, it's, it's always tough, right? Because you want people to have the care that they need, but at the same time, you know, you have to look at the system and the system is just so convoluted and ridiculous. And I, I, (laughs) For me, it's tough because, you know, I'm a free market guy. I believe that people should be able to make decisions and choices and and that sort of thing, right? If you buy insurance, you buy insurance. But, like, by the same token, you know, you mentioned, like, the dental thing, for example, right? If I'm going to the dentist to get a cleaning, I'm basically maintaining myself. I'm maintaining my body. I'm maintaining my mouth, my teeth, right? And people are like, well, I got to have insurance to cover that. Well, no, you don't. Like, do you have insurance to cover oil changes in your car? Like, you know, or tire rotations, like it's stuff that you have to maintain, but people won't bat an eyelash to change their oil or rotate their tires. But Hey man, if it comes time to taking care of your teeth once every six months, yeah. that's a huge inconvenience, yeah, you know, it's crazy. somebody else needs to pay for that. You know, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I've like, I've gone to a naturopath for years. I've gone to the dentist for years without insurance. For me, it's more about taking care of myself versus what insurance is going to cover. Um, I much prefer pay out of pocket for good care versus going to someone who's just going to give me a pill to take care of something versus you know let's actually take care of something
0: 100 percent. so um when you finally made your decision to leave um you know sort of the business corporate side of things and open up your own shop you know what was that like was it scary for you
1: oh absolutely (laughs) absolutely every i mean it's still scary every single day scary it's still I knew nothing about business coming out i still don't know a lot about business um but it's i have the people in place that i can ask the questions to um i have between my business coach and all the different pts i work with that have do have their own businesses and have for years um you know the accountant the my attorney connections like there's a lot of people that i can at least ask questions to to figure out the right answer um and I didn't read until more recently, but there's a book that's called permission to screw up. And it really goes into, um, her, when she created her business and everything like that, she messed up along the way. And she's now a CEO of major companies. And so it's like, so those things that it's scary. You're going to make a decision. It may be the wrong decision, but then you correct course, figure out what the right direction is and, and fix it. So it's a scary process, but at the same time, it's kind of a fun adventure. 100%.
0: 100%. Yeah, I think a lot of people have this idea, especially now in the Insta-famous world, that, you know, you say you're an entrepreneur and that makes you one, you know? <laughs> I posted a picture of me doing something cool in business. I'm an <laughs> entrepreneur. And it's like, no, you're not in business unless you have customers that are actually paying you money. It's it's a whole different animal. And I mm-hmm. think uh, I think the this newer generation seems to be sort of lost in this idea that, you know, it happens overnight. Um, but I'm curious of, of your journey. Um, you know, obviously you said that, um, your parents had an entrepreneurial bent, they were working for themselves at some point, um, but you never did. Right. So at what point did you start looking at your results in business and start thinking about how you as a person needed to become more, what did that journey look like? What sort of, um, you know, um, path did you walk down this personal development world? Because I know that when, when I met you, you had started that journey. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I didn't. So when I first started branching out and starting to learn, it was all business side of things. Let's figure out how to do a cash pay PT business. Let's figure out how to market. It was very business related. And, and even when I got into kind of my big PT network I'm in now, my whole purpose of it was still very business related. But then as I started talking to people or talking to, yeah, my business, my PT network and my business coach, he kept bringing like the relationship side of things kept coming into play. And so it kind of like, okay, I guess I need to kind of work on this a little bit. So I started working on it a little bit, (laughs) but I still didn't like fully understand and fully grasp it. It was still just very, I was very transactional with, with my business. It was transactional relationships versus actual like personal relationships. And I never really... Worked on myself. I was working on the business. Eventually, I started figuring out that in order to really succeed in a service-based industry, you really need to build a relationship with other people. I realized through this whole process, I also needed to find who I was in order to actually relate to those people. And that's when everything like really started as far as the personal development side of things is really discovering, like working to discover who I was, who I wanted to be, who I wanted to become. Uh, cause I didn't know that person.
0: <laughs> so you mentioned the transactional nature of relationships. What does that mean to you? Explain that really quick.
1: So, yeah. So for me, it was very like, you need therapy and this is why we have this relationship and this is why you're here. It wasn't getting to know the person as a human and as a as an athlete and as a parent or, you know, husband, sister, wife, whatever they, they were in life. It was very, you're a client, I'm the therapist and just very superficial.
0: Mm. So your business coach opened your eyes to this idea that you needed to connect more. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Connect more. Imagine that. (laughs) Connect more. Sweet. So, so being that that was your trigger, sort of your, your gateway, you know, where did you go from there? You know, how did you, how was this, obviously this awareness was brought into your, into your consciousness by your coach, by some of the things you guys were working on, but then what was the step that you took, right? Like there's an action that has to come with the knowing, right? Mm -hmm. And what did that look like for you?
1: So initially that's when a lot, that's actually when I started listening to podcasts a lot more. Um, Initially I started figuring out where I was most needing help at that time. And so um, that's when I started listening to Brendan Bouchard and Lewis Howes and it's kind of when when that all started and over the time it's transitioned to different podcasts but I really started listening to podcasts I started reading more I shouldn't say more personal development books I started reading personal development books and really getting into um, starting to dive into figure out who initially like getting more confidence and getting out of this person that I was or working to get out of this person that I was and really just kind of absorbing information and then eventually that turned into let's see it would have been december of 2017 is when i connected with my now life coach and really started working with him to really break down all my barriers um, breaking down why i do what i do and figuring out who i am and who i want to become and just really building up that person
0: And so what were some of these barriers you were up against?
1: I think the question is what barriers were I not not (laughs) up against at this point? Um, so many barriers. I,
0: what was, what was maybe the biggest one or the biggest two that you experienced personally?
1: Yeah. Um, what I thought it was and what it was is completely different. I was in a very toxic relationship that was really holding me back significantly. Um, initially when I started with my life coach it was to repair that and then as I continued as I started growing in myself and realizing things it kind of just made everything worse in the relationship and um, eventually I just for myself I had to I had to cut ties and leave that Um, it's pretty cool within like literally two weeks of me breaking away I did a Facebook live and all of a sudden I lo- I rewatched. I was like, there's so much more energy there. So that was the biggest thing. Like I had, I didn't realize what was the toxicity there and what was holding me back until I was out of that situation. And then looking back, obviously you can, you can reflect on so many things, but that was the biggest thing is just realizing how much of a barrier that was to me.
0: So the relationship obviously uh, was a big one. And, um, Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Do you want to go into deep, a little bit more detail on that? I know that you, uh, I know that it's fairly fresh. Um, and, but I think that it's important because I've seen so much growth come from you because of it. And you're absolutely right, man. Your energy levels like off the charts, like more pure you is coming through. And what's this been like for you to kind of take a step away from that?
1: It's insane. Like, I don't even know how to describe it other than just insane. Like the, Like looking, I was actually doing some reflection. So we're in the CrossFit Open right now. And I was thinking a couple weeks ago, actually it was last week, of the Open last year and how just mentally and emotionally broken I was. How like, I was just having emotional breakdowns from the dumbest things. Like looking back, it was like the dumbest things (laughs) were getting to me. And I was like, thought about that. And I was like, thought about the Open this year. And just because the Open is like during right now, I thought about all this. But And just how much... I'm in a different place. I'm performing better with the open for one, but just realizing like where I am mentally and emotionally now compared to where I was then. And, and it's just pretty incredible. Every, seems like every day I'm having new realizations of new insights of where I am now and where I was, or, um, I'm just transforming faster. Um, uh, I'll talk to my coach and all of a sudden without even like, I don't even attempt to incorporate anything we talked about. And all of a sudden that night, I'm like, holy crap. Like I just did what we were talking about, like me working on. And so it's like, I'm just having these really quick transformations now because I'm just freer and more open.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go a little deeper on this if, if it's cool with you. Um, and I'll share a little bit from, from my experience. Uh, when I, I recently did a podcast, um, the feed me, feel me podcast. And one of the questions was around this idea of support. And, you know, they were surprised by my answer that that at, s- at a certain point in my life, I had to realize that the people closest to me, like my family, <laughs> in my particular case, were not necessarily mm-hmm. what was good for me. And so mm-hmm. I had to create uh, some boundaries and some distance between me and them in order for me to sort of step into my own. And uh, so the dynamic with that was for me that they would criticize Right. Like no matter what the idea was, there was criticism and there was negativity associated with it. And so it's not that I don't love my parents and my brother. It's that I have to maintain my boundaries. And so I'm curious what the dynamic was in your former relationship Mm -hmm. that caused you to feel this sort of depressed energy, this sort of negativity that now you no longer carry.
1: Yeah. You know, I... I've looked, like, reflected back a number of times and tried and worked to figure out, like, when did this, like, when did the downfall start? And from what I can figure out is it really started around the time that I went out on my own with a business. And there was, it always appeared that I was supported, but then it was always, now that I'm looking back, like, there's this underlying questioning all the time as far as why I was doing something. Or we would talk, he would ask, like, questions about my marketing and then there's like well, why don't you like do this instead and it was always like it would take what he would want me to do would go like off my focus and go a different direction and I'm like well I'm trying to follow what my business coach wants me to do and so there was what I thought was support with trying to throw out different ideas but now that I'm looking like it was more of just working to control and redirect than actually support and um and yeah it just I've been working to, you know, kind of purge those people out of my life that don't support me, and that, that was just one of them, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think it's tough a lot of times when you have a, uh, um, you know, I don't know your ex, but I'm going to use the term beta male. When you have a beta male who needs to sort of, you know, assert himself and, and doesn't really know how, mm-hmm. you know, and at the end of the day, it, it manifests itself, As like to me, what I've seen in relationships is this sort of compression. Like I need to contain this Mm -hmm. person so that I can still feel as if you know I have some sort of authority in this relationship. Oh,
1: one hundred percent. Because even you know, it when kind of the downfall. Like there was a trigger on everything as far as when things like started going downhill quickly, and it was at that time that's like okay let's reevaluate what I'm doing and how I'm like how I'm showing up here. And, and so I I started, I used to see clients on Saturdays and I got to the point uh, and had the switch with him traveling all the time. Okay. I'm going to go coach and then I'm going to come home. And then like, I'm going to be home all weekend. Like I'm not going to go see clients. Um, I was playing softball at the time. I stopped playing softball on Friday evening. So I was home. So Um, there's a lot more that I did just to be there and be present. that's actually when I started putting my phone in airplane mode, like immediately once I got home. So I would, there was like literally no distraction while I was home. And through all of this, like he would continue to come and be like, you're not changing. Like, I, I don't know what to do different, you know? Um, so there was this, so yeah, there was that control factor of wanting all my attention, wanting all of this and like. Neglecting causing me to what I felt was neglect the business was it was it not, you know, hard to say, but there was just definitely this control aspect that um, Was bringing me down.
0: Yeah, it sounds like there was a bit of projection um, Based on what you're saying like it sounds like you I mean, maybe we're doing your best to change Maybe he wasn't acknowledging it and the reality is it sounded like perhaps he needed to do, be the one oh, doing the changing There was a lot of projection going on <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, uh, you know, I appreciate you sharing that. I know it's not easy to talk about those things and, um, you know, but I I feel like there's always a lesson in these things for people and for anyone out there listening, you know, if you're in a shit bag relationship, no matter who it is, man, get the fuck out like ASAP, get out, you know, like life is too short to spend it with people who are an anchor around your neck. And uh, I'll get off my soapbox. On <laughs> <laughs> but on to happier topics. So let's talk book, man. So, uh, all right. So first part of your book, um, I would say haven't had a chance to read it. just came out, but I was able to skim through it quite a bit. And the first part of your book talks like, looks like you're talking about your journey um, going into the world of entrepreneurship. And we talked about that a little bit already. But then the last half, man, like you're coming with some knowledge. You're bringing some tools. You're bringing some tips um, so that people can step into a little bit more of their power and own, you know, how they show up each day, which I think is part of your title there. Um so maybe let's talk about some of these key core concepts that have really helped you maintain this discipline and create the life that you're creating.
1: Yeah, of course. Um and that's a big thing is I titled the book like I did Own Your Day, Own Your Life because you really need to own it. Um it doesn't just happen like you have to make choices. You have to, and like every section is titled create because you have to create what you want. You have to own what you want. And um, by that, it's making decisions. It's making choices. It's creating habits in order to um, be the more productive and take take better care of yourself. And that's a big thing I'm getting at in this book is let's figure out how to get you out of that 24-7 grind, get you out of the feeling like you can't go to the gym, that feeling that you can't take care of yourself, the, um, avoidance of going to the doctor because you quote unquote, don't have time. And let's get you to have more time in your day to do those things that you absolutely love to do that you haven't done for five years because you've been so unorganized and so unproductive.
0: Mm -hmm. So I think one of the big things, um, you know, the big takeaways is going to be a specific structure. Right. Like I I feel like uh, so many people, there's a great quote and I wish I could remember it exactly. But it's something to the effect of, you know, there's no more miserable man than one who wakes up in the morning not knowing what to do. And I feel like that's the vast majority of people waking up in the morning and they're sort of just trudging through their day. Nothing is different. Everything is the same. They're bringing who they were yesterday into today. There's nothing novel. There's there's no chaos to create in. And um, so, how do you take someone who's in that mindset in your book and sort of start walking them through the steps? Like, what is the first thing they need to get their arms around?
1: Yeah, I mean, first things first is you need. I'm big on morning routine, but I think even before that, you just need to figure out a structure to your day. Um, for me, the big thing that when I'm working with colleagues who are having the having difficulty with things is really time blocking your schedule. Whether you are a mom that is just running your kids around all day and taking care of the house, or whether you are a business owner who has a ton of meetings all day and, and a lot of other tasks to do, you really need to prioritize your schedule. If you wake up at 8 a.m. and have no clue what you're doing with your life for the next five hours, you're not gonna get anything productive done if you know you are you know doing the laundry from eight to nine and then you're going to run the kids to whatever from this time to this time Um, or if you're a ceo of a company and you know you have your meetings and you have to work on this project and you're just blocking that out you're gonna stay on task you're gonna actually get stuff done versus the looking at your day looking at maybe a list maybe not and having no clue of what to even do
0: so what does time blocking look like for you specifically? I know yours is going to be a very extreme example, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but are you literally like blocking, like pulling up a calendar and marking it up in terms of I am doing this from here to here on every single day of your life?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I have a notebook that I just do my time blocking in all the time, but yeah, it's very, it's very structured. Um, what that said to, I know I think better in the morning. So Typically, my morning time, especially early morning, like my 8 to 10, 8 to 11, is going to be more content creation. Anything that requires more deep thought. And then typically, I'm going to see clients more late afternoon, or sorry, late morning afternoon time, just because I don't require that content type um, deep thought brain of mine. Um, but yeah, I'm literally blocking everything out. Um, the really cool thing, though, too, is a lot of times I'll block out an hour to like write a blog post. But because I'm on task and I'm focused, it's done thirty minutes later. Mm. So then you can do nothing for thirty minutes and just take a break if you want, just to rest your brain. Which I suggest, just because you got your task done, so give yourself some free time.
0: Do you uh, do you block out time for like fun activities, or is it always like work related, content creator related?
1: Yeah. No, you have. The way I like, I put it in, the way I phrase it to people and put it in the book too is like, if it's important to you, you need to block it out. So even if it's gym time, if it's playing with your kids, if it's taking your kids to the park, block it out. Like if it's important to you, it needs to be on your schedule.
0: Mm, that's such a, th- that's such an interesting thing. I, um, uh, my morning routine comes from uh, the guys over at warrior and you know, as part of the planning of the week, I have to, I'm supposed to plan like a date with myself, mm-hmm. plan a date with the wife, you know? And uh, to me, this is, it's completely, it it, it made no sense when I first heard it. I'm like, what do you mean I need to plan time to enjoy my day? You know, because it's like, well... I enjoy working. Right. So I I don't want, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to add that stuff to my schedule. Um, but the more that I've studied it and the more I hear people like yourself talk about it and people who have studied it, it is so important, man, to bring that into your life, to bring it like all of that enjoyment back into, into your energy, like to reclaim some of that because Mm -hmm. the reality of it is, is if you're a workaholic like me, like you, you won't do it. Like you want to invest in yourself when you, when you have the time or you want to invest in your relationships when you have the time. And so once that's in there and you've you've got your schedule all blocked out and, you know, things are looking good, what comes next? Like, what's the next step?
1: Next step. My big thing is next is creating, like, taking either Sunday night or Monday morning and kind of looking at your week and planning out your week, setting your intentions for the week. Because um, it's one thing to do your schedule day to day. But if you can look at a little bit more bigger picture as far as... If you're working on these projects, like what needs to be done that week for those projects and then looking at your week and just kind of figuring out where you can structure things in order to get those done. Where are your deadlines at? Where do you, what things do you know you need to get done earlier in the week versus later in the week, but taking time to, even if it's just like 30 minutes to really look at what projects am I working on? What needs to be done for those projects this week? And where am I going to put those in is, is kind of where I typically go the next step.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're, you're basically, it sounds like you're creating some intention. Mm -hmm. So you've got your morning routines, you're creating intention around, but you've also got the week that you need to win and you're creating some intention around that. Mm -hmm. Now, do you have a specific sort of format that you use for that? Is there, are you, are you chasing multiple goals that week? Or is it like a one thing type of situation where you got to get this one thing done and you're breaking it down into steps? What does it look like?
1: I, I do both. I do have my absolute one thing. Um, I kind of structure my one thing around what is like, what tasks do I need to get done in order for other things to get done in the process? So like my one thing this week is working on a project that is going to actually incorporate or be integrated into about three other things that I'm doing right now. And so there's that. Um, there's some times that my one thing is, you know what, I'm going to, or my goal slash one thing is I have this number of leads right now, I'm going to close five of them. Uh, so it's just kind of depends on where things are, but I usually have my one thing that I'm absolutely going to crush that week. Um, but then I also have, um, my side list too. And the side list could be small. Like it may be like, I like to have my list so I can like make sure I get everything done. So it may just be like, you know what? I need to get the bank called this week to take care of something. And even though it may only take five minutes, I'm going to write that down and have that there. Um, Or even though you have this one big project, you also have these other three projects that are in certain stages and that you need to make sure that's done too. And so, you know, you have some tasks maybe of these other projects as well. So you have your one big focus, but there's always other little things that are going to be playing in as well.
0: So I'm curious, what happens when you miss or do you miss?
1: (laughs) I don't always hit my goals.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But like even break it down to something small, and I'm I'm asking, I'm I'm sort of poking the bear here because I know <laughs> I know you're very you're very black and white. But um, so the question is, you know, um, and this is something that I experienced. I think a lot of people experience this. You you sit down, you design your week or whatever, you block out your time, and then you miss right. And it's like, okay, well, let me pull out the hammer and beat the crap out of myself. You know, (laughs) I I screwed up. I missed, you know, what does someone who is as disciplined as you do when you miss? You got to miss sometimes.
1: Oh, I I absolutely do. What I do though, as far as when I do miss or, you know, the things I do miss on, like I always, I'm going to make sure the things that absolutely 100% have to be done are done. Mm -hmm. So if, if it's something that I do miss, it's something that you know what, I'm going to put it on today because it needs to get done at some point this week. Um, I knew I had like an hour break or an hour block there that I didn't have anything else in, so we'll put it there. If I run, if something happens, if a client wants to get in, I'll put them there. Um, If technology gives me issues and takes longer to do a task, then, you know, things happen. Um, But I will, like, I'll make sure every day I get done the things I absolutely need to get done that day for whether it's a deadline, whether it's for someone else to get there, like to turn over to someone else for the rest of the project. Um, so if I do miss, it's something that's not like doesn't have to 100% be done that day, and then I, I'll push it to the next day. So
0: you're building in a little bit of leeway in your schedule as well. A little bit, so yeah. That you don't have to pull out the hammer and beat yourself up. Exactly, <laughs> like the rest of us do. <laughs> 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 awesome. So we've got the morning routine. We've got uh, targets for the week. Um, what are some of the other key points from, say, the back half of the book that are going to help us stay in and focused on those on those targets and goals?
1: Yeah, the big part of the back half of the book is really taking care of yourself. If we aren't in good health from a number of different directions, we aren't going to be able to take care of ourselves. So this comes down to our nutrition because nutrition plays a huge, um, plays into our energy a ton. If we're not taking enough food, if we are taking in, um, foods that don't do well with our bodies, we're not going to have the right, have good energy to even function to focus, um, to go throughout our day. Um, if we're not sleeping right, or sleeping the right amount, if we aren't getting quality sleep, uh, you know, you may sleep eight hours, but you may have the worst quality sleep ever. Um, you're not going to have the energy to actually get things done. Um,
0: so all these things you're, you're classifying as self-care?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Self-care is huge. Um, and then a lot of what I can get into as well is, um, and I include this in the self-care part for the factor of the mental aspect is so huge. Um, and that's mental, everything mental in general, but really like taking time to breathe, taking time to, if you don't like the word meditate, you know, some people meditate, some people just don't like that word, but just taking time to breathe, like breathing is huge. And like, yes, you need to breathe to survive. But if you just take time to like take deep breaths, it calms the body. It takes the tension out of your body. It calms the brain. Um, it just kind of restores you back to a homeostasis point. So you're not in this constantly stressed point.
0: Mm, mm. That's that's super crucial. That's a uh, that's one of the big keys to the Wim Hof method, that the deep breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how did you arrive at that? Is that something that you've uh, that you studied as you were coming through school, or is this something that you've had experience with prior to?
1: Um, combination of all of the above. The when we're talking about the exercise, nutrition, all of that, like that's something I've always been interested in. I've always been involved in going through school and just coming up, but. Going into more of the meditation, mindset, breathing side of things, that's been within the past year as far as working on myself and really finding myself, finding ways to initially it started as like, let's figure out how to, all this craziness was going on. I was working to grow a business. I was dealing with the relationship stuff. I needed to just calm my brain down. So that's where it all started initially. It was like, we're, like I was taking three or four breaks during the day just to lay down, breathe, meditate, just calm down. Um, and then through that, I just really discovered how much calmer I was in general, how much more creative I was because we were opening areas of the brain up. So it started out as a just getting through life and dealing with life. And then it became a, just becoming more more productive and creative with my business.
0: So meditation for you, um, you, you basically you said, basically you go somewhere, you lay down, you get quiet, you breathe, right. Um, and you use it as a way to sort of calm yourself, right. Calm your brain down to recenter yourself, if you will. What is, what does your meditation look like? Um, internally, right. So like when you're sitting there or laying there and you're going through it, are you, are you trying to clear your mind? Are you trying to focus on your breath? You know, what sort of methodology do you use when you're meditating?
1: Yeah. I will say it's changed now compared to when I started. When I started, it was more of, I would do a lot of guided meditation for um, clarity, just getting me out of my head and that sort of thing. Now it's more of just breathing and being with myself and just allowing the mind to do whatever it wants. Um, There's times I have like amazing ideas while I'm doing that, while I'm just letting my mind be empty. And there's times that it's just, we're just calming myself and we're just like recentering and just, um, just being present more than anything. Mm -hmm. So it just, it kind of depends, or, you know, it's been a process I should say, as far as what the purpose of it was to, um, so it's changed a little bit.
0: Mm -hmm. What was your first exposure to meditation?
1: So initially when I started, it was, it was what started getting me out of the, 24 seven grind I because I would come home seven thirty, eight o'clock at night I'd eat dinner and then I would work another two or three hours and what I started doing was or what my coach had me start doing was once I got home let's do a five-minute meditation I did a guided meditation but um, just to figure out where was I if I got done with that and I was com- realized I was completely mentally exhausted and just done we were shutting down for the night. I was going to bed. If I did that, realized I still had some mental energy, I wasn't really that tired, then I would continue working a little bit. So it was what started the whole process of getting me to figure out if I if my body needed to shut down or not, if my brain needed to shut down or not, and what really started getting me out of that working constantly.
0: Mm. You mentioned that you, you think sometimes people think meditation is kind of a bad word. <laughs> you know, what did you mean by that?
1: I think it gets this bad connotation sometimes as far as being all like religious or ritualistic type thing when it like, and spiritual gets a bit, you know, people throw religion and spiritual and they're completely different. And it took me a realization of that too, but I think it just gets people tend to think of it. And I was one of them as far as very religious ritualistic type thing. When in all reality, it's more of just being present with yourself and, being in tune with yourself and just calming yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you sort of uh, was it was it a journey for you to arrive at that, or did you just say, you know what, I'm going to do this, and your mind sort of changed over time, or you're just like, hey, you know, what, I'm going to do it, and boom, it is what it is now.
1: No, it was a major journey. Yeah, uh, <laughs> major journey. Because initially, when I did, I was like, all right, like it was more of just a, it was giving myself that five minutes to just kind of relax that I never did, mm-hmm. and then. I started realizing that, okay, I'm like actually a little bit calmer after I do this. And I'm a little more clear. And then as I started over the past year meditating more, um, cons- or just meditating consistently, I should say, not to say like longer time, but just consistently, I'm all of a sudden realizing I'm just getting, in, the way it's termed is getting into my subconscious more, but I'll be driving or I'll be cooking. And just those times that you're actually in your subconscious more because you're doing a task that all of a sudden these great ideas will come to my head. And so I just started realizing that meditation really, did, like, even though the research shows it, you know, I need to prove it to myself, um, <laughs> that meditation truly does like give you an openness to your subconscious and really does bring out that creative side.
0: Do you ever see colors when you're meditating? I don't. Have you ever had like an out of body sort of meditation?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say to say out of body necessarily, but there definitely are times I feel like deeper in my brain Mm -hmm. or like more, more in tune and more creative than others.
0: Yeah. It's trippy stuff, man. Like uh, you start seeing, I've I've seen colors many times. I've had that experience where you have that uh, sort of deep vibration going through your body. Mm -hmm. It's almost scary in a way. And um, now it's the point where even if I meditate for a short period of time, I can, I don't necessarily feel like I leave my body, but I feel like I lose an awareness of where all my limbs are. So like I can see my arm in a different place than where it actually is (laughs) like in the physical world. It's, it's super trippy, man. But it's, it's like you said, like you wake up from that or you come back from that. And it's like, you know, you, you, you have a greater energy, a greater sense of self and a greater sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. And you realize it's cool because you realize, I think that, you know, no matter how big your problems are, they're not that big. Oh yeah. You know, everything's going to be fine. If if you just, you know, stay the course and, and work through it. I think it's a beautiful beautiful and probably one of the most important and overlooked aspects of of self-care um but something that's interesting about you as a physical therapist is you dive into the diet world as well Mm -hmm. so i know this is probably a huge component of self-care for you what do you do or what do you say to the person who needs to start changing those eating habits and how does that play into your practice as a pt
1: yeah so from the pt side of things the reason I started bringing nutrition into what I do is because people think about their injuries as local inflammation in the area. When in all reality, especially when we're dealing with chronic injuries, like you have inflammation inside your entire body. Um, whether.
0: Okay. Let me stop you right there. What does infl- inflammation <laughs> actually mean, right? I'm still waiting for a good definition. <laughs> Give me, what is inflammation? And then we'll get back to it. Yeah.
1: You know, the I, the simplest way to put it is inflammation is basically a process that happens anytime there's injury. It's what has to happen in order for the healing properties of the body to actually come into that area. Um, funny, I actually asked that question. I was literally just listening to a podcast on the way here that brings up exactly what I talk about all the time is we get injured and people just want to throw ice on it. They want to throw anti-inflammatory medication at it. But, I'm like, but your body needs that inflammation to a point in order to mm. start healing the area. So... Inflammation in itself is not always a bad thing, especially when it's an acute injury. It's when we're dealing with more of the chronic stuff that's going on.
0: So would that be more stress or, I mean, or I guess stress could be considered inflammation. What do you What do you say?
1: Uh, it can contribute to it. Um, so stress is going to increase cortisol in our bodies. Cortisol is a stress hormone. Um, and then once that cortisol is increased, it can cause a lot of other stuff to happen in the body. So stress can definitely contribute to it, for sure.
0: Okay, cool. So before I sidetracked you, you were going into your <laughs> into your nutrition piece. No worries. Um, yeah, but talk a little bit about that. I guess I know it's it seems fairly unusual for a, a DPT to go into the nutrition realm.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I go into it for two different aspects. Um going from the staying on the inflammation side of things, especially when we're dealing with chronic injuries or frequent injuries. Um especially those frequent injuries as like you just went out for a run and got hurt. It you know You didn't trip. No one took you out of the knee. Like nothing actually happened, but you just kind of keep getting these weird things going on. A lot of times I have, I start looking like, what are you taking into your body to cause all this? Gut health is huge. Whatever, however healthy our gut is or however unhealthy our gut is, is what the rest of our body is. So if someone's taking in a lot of processed foods, sugars, foods that their bodies just don't tolerate in general it's gonna cause a lot of systemic inflammation and it can contribute to a lot of these injuries.
0: You mean digestively specifically? Mm -hmm.
1: Yep. Uh, So if we can, on one aspect, start eliminating those from the body, then that can start decreasing that inflammation that's going on. On the other side of that, there's a lot of naturally healing foods too. And so if we can start introducing those, we can decrease the inflammation throughout the system by introducing those and those injuries start to heal themselves.
0: Mm, Okay. Very cool. So you saw this as a need basically when you were when you're seeing injuries, Hey, maybe it's not just to do with the body. Maybe it has to do with, with what you're eating. Mm -hmm. So are you having your, your clients, are you having them actually start food logs and that sort of thing when they're working with you?
1: For just the injury side of things, I won't necessarily have them do a food log, but we'll start working on incorporating. I I prefer to add versus takeaway in the beginning. So we'll start adding in Like simple things. Let's see more blueberries. Let's see more pineapple. Those have natural healing properties. Um, turmeric, collagen, things like that. Like simple things you can start incorporating into just your day to day eating in order to start healing the body a little bit internally. Um, for my athlete, like more of my performance athletes that actually want to work on improving their performance at the same time. Then I'll have them do a little bit more of a food log and really start tracking how their body's behaving with different foods.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's not a one size fits all sort of a thing. You're you're going back to your connection piece and, and really understanding what that particular person needs in, mm-hmm. in that moment. Correct. Very cool. So what other uh, aspects of self-care do you feel like are important for people to understand?
1: I think one of the big, one of the forgotten things is just simply drinking more water Um, either people, one, aren't drinking water or if they are drinking fluids in general, or if they are, it's all of these things that don't truly hydrate us. It's the sodas or coffee or alcohol, (laughs) whatever. But, um,
0: the fourth macro man, (laughs) exactly.
1: But you know, our bodies are between, depending on your fat muscle mass, male, female, there's different, there's a range, but essentially we're between 60 and 70% water. All of our organs need water to survive. And yet we aren't taking in the water that we need on a day-to-day basis. Um, There's a lot of studies that show just a 2% loss of body weight in water is a dehydrated point. We're less mentally focused. We're less coordinated. um,
0: 2%? 2%. Wow. So,
1: and really you don't even notice you're thirsty until you're about 3%. So. It
0: seems like you can just walk around dehydrated constantly at 2%. That seems like such a small number. It
1: is a small number. It's a very small number. Um, And... The, I will say probably the majority of the population is very dehydrated just because we aren't taking in enough water on a day-to-day basis. You know, a lot of times people won't even drink an entire like liter bottle of water throughout the day. So it's it's just this thing that for our bodies to function in a healthy manner, we need water and it's just something that we're not taking in consistently. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So when you look at your, your life, your journey, it would have been some of the most important I would say, I would say maybe discoveries that you've had going from Nebraska girl to Arizona DPT. What have been some of the key points of your life that have really caused you to open your eyes and make some significant changes?
1: Yeah, um, I think one of the big things for me and one thing that I'm very grateful for my parents for is we were always allowed to, like we were never held back for where we wanted to go. Um, My brother went to undergrad in Iowa. I went to Minnesota. My brother moved to China for... I think almost 10 years, um, I came down to Arizona. We were never held back from like doing what we wanted to do, what would make us happy. And so mm-hmm. I, I definitely am very grateful for that, that there was never a like, I had to stay in Nebraska to go to school or I needed to do X, Y, and Z. Um, it was always just, yeah, they wanted us to be successful and make smart choices, but they allowed us freedom to do what we felt was best for ourselves um, mm-hmm. from, a, from a young age. So. I'm very grateful for, for that to have taken place. Um, other than that, like, I don't know, it's really, I know I grew in college. I know I grew in PT school and throughout the past, you know, 15 years I've lived here, but I think it's just because I've seen so much drastic growth in the past, um, past year, year and a half that I feel like that's where I've made, like where I can see most of the changes, most of the the success in my life, um, just creating. It's interesting though, as I'm talking out loud here, it's like, I feel like I'm this new person, but then as I look back, I'm like, I was, I was this person before. And so I don't really know where I, when or where I changed necessarily, but at some point I became this controlled person or as I be, I became a person under someone's control and I never really like, I don't know how that happened. But then as I'm becoming myself again, I was like, I used to be this person. And so it's kind of like I was this person and then I wasn't, and then I'm coming back to this person, but it's an even better person now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that I'm, I am more open. I, I do have more energy. I never did well in like big social situations. I would always like, i I was really good as far as like two or three people cool, bigger than that. I'm like, I, I, I would need my time. Like, I would need to shut down, need my space afterwards. And now I'm so much better at going to big conferences, big events, socializing, going up to people and not needing that shutdown time afterwards. So I've definitely, as I've come in more in tune with myself, as I've learned more about myself and just developed this more openness, more energy, um, I've definitely been able to branch out of That more, I hate to use the word introverted person because we all get these connotation terms, but I branched out of that person who just needed that separation and didn't really know how to approach those situations into this person that, you know, that person's not talking to anyone, I'm going to go talk to them and see what's up with their life. Uh, so it's been kind of a fun transition to see this just energy change in myself throughout this whole process of things.
0: Yeah. Speaking of uh, big events and crowds, you were just at one, were you not?
1: I was. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, you you uh, you were at the Brendan Burchard event, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what were some of your takeaways from that uh, experience?
1: You know, it, it's really funny as I, I, my biggest takeaway actually is more of a realization to myself. Um, first day there. He said something that all of a sudden just triggered in my head that I've, even though I had these ideas of, I can do that. I want to do that. That's my goal that I wasn't fully believing it. Um, he said something and you hear it all the time, like stop thinking small, like and all this, but he said something and maybe it's just being in that environment and seeing that environment that in my head, I was like, finally collective, I can do this. Like I want to do seminars and like all of a sudden just seeing that environment, I was like, I can be this, I can do this. And so it it like light bulb moment, like light, or I should say light switch moment. All of a sudden it's like, I'm done thinking small, like we're going big, we're going big game. So that was probably the number one for me. I wouldn't even say takeaway, but just realization that I had. Um, and the other thing too, for me is I just realized how with everything I've talked about Um, as far as what's in the book and just my with my health and my productivity and my organization and the way I do things like I'm on point um everything he went through it's like I've got that every everything as far as when it comes to what he does specifically to crush his day it's like I'm doing it all so it was this really cool realization that's like yes this in my head was a dream but I'm like it's not a dream anymore like it's legit like This is going to happen. So that was my biggest thing It's more of these realizations about myself rather than any like major takeaway.
0: That's so cool. there's, uh, there's this idea that, um, you know, other people have things figured out and other people are, you know, we should put other people on a pedestal, (laughs) you know, um, you know, and and obviously you're familiar with what I write on Instagram. I write uh, every day and I use a quote, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one of my mentors one time told me, um, that I shouldn't put other people's words above my own. The question was, you know, why is some dead guy's words more meaningful than yours, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And when you think about that, it sounds arrogant, but at the same time, it's true, right? I mean, there's no reason to discard my experience because someone else lived 100 years ago, (laughs) you know, and said something cool then, right? Like, it it doesn't make any sense, but yet that's what we as people do. And I think that's, um, you know, one of these huge aspects to personal growth and develop is realizing your own power, Mm And it sounds like you're doing a good job of stepping back into yours. I'm finding it. That's awesome, <laughs> And So talk to me a little bit about um, personal development. What does it mean to you? How is How important is it for your development as an individual and as a businesswoman?
1: Yeah, for me, it's huge. Uh, you know, I, it's been a interesting journey as far as looking at the books I read a year ago and then kind of the transition of what types of books I've been reading and as far as where I am in my journey with everything. But it's been huge And with that said, like, when you're doing personal development, whether it's going to conferences, reading, listening to podcasts, like, you can do all of that stuff unless you actually do something once you read it, like, it's not going to (laughs) matter. And that's the biggest thing is for me, like, I'm not just reading. I'm reading and I'm writing my takeaways from it. Every single morning when I'm reading, I'm writing down my biggest takeaways. So, one, it locks it in. But two, I have those notes to go back to. So it's like, I know, like, if I'm just feeling a bad day or just feeling a little setback. I can go back to like, I know this book has something awesome in it and I can go read through those and just kind of remind myself what it was. But that's my biggest thing is that personal development has been so much for me in this transformation as, as I'm reading things, it's giving me new, like a new idea or a new vantage point or, um, a new way to be in life. It's just really opening, opening my mind to what the possibilities are or, um, just opening my mind to who, who I am and who I'm becoming.
0: That's fantastic. So tell me what will success look like for you in your business? How will you define that?
1: That's an awesome question. Um, yeah, we're
0: just now getting to the good questions. <laughs> right. <laughs> now I have to think
1: about this. Um, I'm not someone to put actual numbers on success. Like, I don't know. I can't say monetarily what success is going to look like. I'm not a things person. Um, I live with as little stuff as possible. Like Spoken like a true <laughs> analyst, man.
0: <laughs>
1: like literally, my friend's like, this is all the food you have. Like I seriously, I realized too when I was living on my friend's couch for six weeks that when I moved out of her place, I literally fit all the clothes I was wearing for the past six weeks in one suitcase. I'm like, yep, I don't need that much stuff. <laughs> so I'm a very minimalist person. I'm not a cars person. So for me, like success doesn't mean anything monetarily. For me, it's what can I do just to help other people? Like biggest thing for me is, you know, part of what we did at the seminar is like we created our, like figured out what our three words were for our lives. And for me, it was service loving and life changer. And that's truly what kind of incorporates everything. Like for me, it lights me up to see other people meet their goals. And that's what I want to do. And that's what, that's what I do every single day is how can I help that person get back to being a little with their child again, or compete again, or crush their business? Like, what can I do for this person in order to help them succeed and meet their goals? And and for me, like I said, there's no number on it, but in in my head, like I've had a successful day if I can help, if I've impacted one person in a positive way, and that's ultimately kind of how I judge my judge my day, judge my self worth, and judge my successes. How I helped someone today?
0: That's beautiful. I love that word, life changer. Life changer. Life changer. That's <laughs> fantastic. So before I ask my last question, tell these folks where they can find you online. And yeah. tell them where they can pick up your book.
1: Yeah. I Well, for one, I'm online everywhere. Um, <laughs> my book is on Amazon. All you have to do is search for Own Your Day, Own Your Life, and that will pop up for you easily enough. Um, as far as where you can find me, I am on Facebook. You can find me my personal page at Brianne Showman. Otherwise, um, I have two businesses actually on there. Get your fixed physical therapy or get your fixed nutrition. Um, Instagram is at b showman Brown at get your fixed PT or at get your fixed nutrition. Um, website is get your get your Um, I have my podcast highly functional, which is pretty awesome. So you check it out. And what am I missing? get it all. I think I got them. I (laughs) don't know. That's that's a long list, man. I don't know for sure. I'm everywhere. We'll just go with that.
0: You're everywhere, yeah. Everywhere all the time, just like God. (laughs) So, last question for you. So, help us uh, understand what does wellness mean? How do you define it?
1: You know, wellness really is all-encompassing. Granted, in my career, it's always been very the physical side of things related. It's the PT, it's the nutrition, it's the fitness side of things. But when you look at it, like you need your mental health there. You need to be right with your relationships, with the people in your world, with your emotions. Like you really need to be, have everything in place in a healthy manner. So you may have your physical part down and crushing that, but where are your relationships? Or maybe your relationships are solid. Um, You're, Uh, You know, you're solid with your religion, but you eat crap all day and you haven't exercised for five years or longer. Um, You're not truly a quote unquote well person if you have certain aspects together, but you don't have the other aspects. You really need to have everything in place to be a fully, um, fully well person.
0: Beautiful. I couldn't agree more. So with that said, guys, we're going to call it a day. Be sure and check out Brienne online. Pick up her book on Amazon. Check check out her podcast, Highly Functional, and we will see you guys in the next episode. Take care.